Hey, thanks for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. It's powered by Cap Logistics, and I'm your host, Doug Draper, with the Denver Transportation Club. Today, we have uh, an amazing guest with us. We're excited to, uh, to have Chip. Just keep it short that's and sweet, right. right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's so that's many right. Michaels wherever I go, and yeah. ultimately, I end up calling me Chip. So. <laughs> I now introduce myself as Chip. So. There you go. So today, uh, we're going to talk about kind of mission-critical logistics. Um, in, uh, in, in a broader scope, but also in, in, in the airline and aviation industry. So that's, uh, we're pretty excited about it. One thing, Chip, we like to do before we get into our topic is learn a little bit about our guest. So um, tell us about yourself, kind of how you got in, uh, in the logistics business, and uh, we'll just start from there. Sure, sure. Um, back in 1990, I'm dating myself. That's when I joined the uh, military. I joined the Army, active duty. I did 10 years. Um, initially, uh, was what's called Hawk Air Defense Artillery, and I don't know if you guys remember the first Gulf War. Um, there was a missile called the Patriot. It was known as the Scud Buster, and so this is what actually you know won the war. It's a hundred out hundred hour war, and it won the war. And uh, so I had to transfer over from my Hawk missile to a different MOS, which is a military occupational specialty. Uh, they looked at my transcript, my college transcript, and they said, hey, you know, instead of going to the desert every year for six months and being on a patient missile, we see that you have a lot of music courses. <laughs> so would you rather be interested in joining the band? I said, hmm, let me think about that. <laughs> we got combat versus the band, the Army band. And so I did the remainder of my six years as the, uh, in, the, in the Army band, but, you know, you don't do that really full time. You also have additional duties. And so one of the things that I took on was the logistics and supply chain management and material movement. And that was really my first introduction into um, the logistical field. Uh, once I got out of the military, I started working in Kuwait uh, with KBR, Kellogg, Brown and Root. And it was a logistical position. And then did that for about a year. And then I came back. And then I went back to Afghanistan for five years. And and that was pretty, and we'll go into more detail about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Afghanistan running logistics management for KBR and for Northrop Grumman. And uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Pretty exciting, pretty scary, but I'm, I'm glad I survived it. And then once I got out of that, I, um, I joined the airline industry. And into now what I am the AOG manager, which is aircraft on ground. It's terrific. So, yeah. all right, we, we got to ask, um, when you say band, I was going to say drummer or guitarist. Now, I know there's no <laughs> guitars in the band, so what instrument do you There are, play? there are, there actually are, there actually are. <laughs> what, what's so your funny. instrument of choice? I, I, I play the piano. I play oh. the piano. And uh, as you mentioned, you're probably referring to the marching band. You don't see, if you're a rhythm instrument, you know, Electric guitar, bass guitar, piano. You don't see these guys marching with a piano on it. <laughs> yeah. So you do what's called the auxiliary percussion. These are the guys that you'll see playing a bass drum or playing the cymbals or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah it was really cool. fun. Really exciting. Had a great time. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, the mission critical logistics, we can kind of talk about the military mm -hmm. aspect of it and then, you know, compare and contrast in the right. civilian um, mm -hmm. mission critical. So, on the military side, you know, you hear it's kind of like the lifeblood of uh, of the military to kind of keep things, you know, moving forward. So, wh yeah. why do why would that term be used? Tell me about why they call it the lifeblood of uh, of the military, and maybe a couple of examples that would help explain that to our audience. Sure, sure. So, in the military, when I was in Afghanistan, um, we were shipping. I was in charge of shipping blood supplies, ammunition 
is an acronym called TIC, which stands for Troops in Contact. So whenever you have the sailors, you have the airmen, you have the soldiers, you have the Marines that are actually in contact with the enemy, with the Taliban. And so they're running low on ammunition, or you have those who are wounded in the battlefield. And so we have to get them blood supply, and we have to get them a restock of ammunition. And so there, if, you know, if we fail to do our mission, you know, worst case scenario is that you know, the tide turns and now we're, we're, we're losing the battle. And worst case scenario, you know, we're talking life or death. And so there in the military, um, it was really critical to just get it there. I know I said in the civilian world, we have so many, <laughs> we have rules, you know, we have uh, uh, legal aspects that we had to worry about, but now in the military, it's like, no, just get, the, just get it there, get it there. And that's what we really focused on. And so uh, it is very critical. It is very critical that we succeed in doing, you know, what we're tasked to do. Very good. Do, do you think, um, you know, when you say mission critical, you know, mm -hmm. the average person may say, okay, we need to get weapons and ammunition and, and kind of the, the um, um, things used in the moment of yeah. combat. But I think mm -hmm. that there's so many things behind the scenes, like blood. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Until you mentioned yeah. that. So do you think that kind of the behind the scenes logistics to support is um, as critical or even more critical than making sure that our troops uh, have the right um, gun or or device in their hands to uh, for combat. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's equally as critical, Doug. It really is because, you know, if we're required, if they're saying, okay, we're low on ammunition, if we do not have the ammunition to ship through them, <laughs> you know, uh, we have mission failure. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, um, a lot depends on those who are back here in the States. You know, it starts with those manufacturing the ammunition, uh, those in charge of the shipping, coordinating the material movement to go from, you know, United States to overseas, make sure that we actually have it in stock so that we can ship. So it's a lot more, you're absolutely correct, there's a lot more to it than simply, okay, here, we're going to ship this to you right away. But again, you know, if we don't have that material, if we don't have that parts, if we don't have the ammunition, we, we can't move it. Right, right. So there is a back end to it, the back logistics. Yeah. Did you find that, um, so my, I'm good at visuals, right? So I, this, this helps mm -hmm. me answer my question um, succinctly. So FedEx is like a closed loop, right? They own the drivers and they make the deliveries where right. Amazon would be kind of an open loop because they're using all kinds of other people. They're not Amazon employees right. necessarily making deliveries. Right. On that mission critical with the military, did you find that you wanted to keep it closed looped and you wanted to use military assets and government equipment and support to move those or did you rely more on third party type of carriers that would be um yeah yeah we did rely on third, yeah we did rely on third party carriers um you know unfortunately the military just did not have the bandwidth they did not have the manpower to support the entire supply chain so that's where the civilian contractor comes in and so it could be, you know, various companies, various um, shipping companies, um, couriers, you know, we had DHL, we had FedEx, like you mentioned, uh, they were all part of that supply chain, all part of that movement. And um, sometimes it becomes frustrating, you know, because you try to create a sense of urgency, you know, to someone who's not in the combat zone. <laughs> and they just don't, they don't get it. They don't, they don't understand, okay, look here, guys, this is happening right now. We need to make this, you know, make sure that all our, our steps are in place. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. flipping over from the, the military side, obviously sense of urgency, it all depends right. on what's urgent to yourself, right? Somebody trying to make a, a, a wedding or ship a gift is exactly. equally urgent yeah. uh, in yeah. their mind, right? So um, mm -hmm. let's flip over to kind of what um, the uh, mission critical means on the civilian side. And obviously you're mm -hmm. in you know, aircraft on ground. Um, right. And now, so before we get into the civilian side, tell us what AOG means and, and kind of give the audience a, a quick um, lesson on, on those terms. Yeah, it's, it's, we, when you ask that question, man, I have to ask because I really, I never really applied for the position that I have now. Originally, I applied for project management of IT. Didn't get the position, position Doug. And so that hiring manager, he transfers my resume to the hiring manager for the AOG manager. And as the AOG manager calls me, he says, hey, you know what? I think I have this position that you'll be perfect for. I'm actually Googling, you know, what is AOG? <laughs> so what is AOG? And so AOG is aircraft on ground. Uh, what it involves is when, whenever one of the aircraft in the fleet is grounded for, say, like a material requirement or um, a mechanical defect, it's the team's responsibility, which is a 24-7 operation, is to go out and find the part. Find the part through sourcing. We have a list of vendors that we go through, approved vendors that we have to go through. And once we've located that part, we have to coordinate the movement of that part to the grounded aircraft. Every time we grounded aircraft, potentially, let's say the aircraft was the first flight, I was called the head start, the first flight of the day, and it had like maybe six or seven legs to it. And so if you add that up, you know, we're looking at easily a $300,000 loss of revenue. So there's a huge financial impact to that. So with those types of figures, not to mention uh, the customer satisfaction piece where, you know, you cancel like you indicated, you know, here we are. We have people who are going to weddings. You have people that are going to funerals. Uh, these are events that cannot be repeated. And so it may not seem as critical as in the war zone, but it's still equally important to these guys that they go ahead and make these uh, events. But you have that customer satisfaction that when we cancel a flight, they'll say, you know what? I'll never, ever fly this airline, airline again. And so that's really important. Yeah, that's really important. It's really critical. Yeah. I think you hit it right there that, you know, things happen, but if, if you're not responsive, um, people will say, oh, this is the worst experience ever. You should never fly right. anyone. So I completely get yeah. it. Yeah. So, so we had 230 passengers, you know, stranded at the airport and they're screaming, okay, why is it this, you know, why am I stuck here? And, and honestly, there are times when I first started this position as AOG manager, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm feeling more stressed than I did in the war zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was so intense. And you probably don't want to tell them the little part that's not, you know. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Waiting for a switch that does this. and Right, uh, because it costs $7, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a lot involved if there's a case where, again, you know, the 300000 loss of revenue. And, it, and sometimes it could be. It could be a rivet that's, from a, um, that's fallen off the cow. Um, of course, it's required to be there. All rivets are required to be in place. The river may cost seven, twelve dollars. I don't know, but we will charter. <laughs> we will spend forty thousand dollars on a charter to get that seven dollar rivet to the aircraft, so that we can, you know, uh, avoid that three hundred thousand dollar loss of revenue. So, using the using a part, which I think is a great great analogy. Whenever you need mm -hmm. to find that rivet, right? I'm sure you can purchase it uh, many different ways. Yeah, Walmart. Yeah, yeah. different ways, <laughs> different different people. What's the yeah thought process do you immediately go to a spare parts bank that that uh, yeah, we do. use and then we you say do. okay who's the vendor that's closest and then just kind of work out like how right. do you select the right part right, right. ideally based on where the aircraft is grounded uh, we'll start sourcing locally and the reason I joke and laugh I say Walmart because often 
the very same rivet that we're trying to source, we can purchase through Walmart. Or we can go down to the Home Depot. It is actually there, but because it's not an FAA-approved vendor, <laughs> we can't purchase it there. And so we do have to go through a list of improved vendors that we have, uh, which can be challenging. You know, it presents a, a, a challenging task because, again, that's based off their availability, you know, where they're located. And then once we located it, now we have to arrange coordination of, uh, I'm sorry, coordinate the, the movement of it to the aircraft, to the grounded aircraft. And that may involve uh, a courier. Um, it may involve often, you know, putting it on a, a different aircraft that's flying to that same location. Mm -hmm. gotcha. So there's a, there's a lot that um, that we have to consider when, when sourcing for that part. Yeah. And then you have, what's, you have what's called the crew, crew timeout. The FAA says that, you know, a pilot and the crew has to receive X amount of hours of sleep. And so that's another factor. Say, you know, if we can't get the part in time, it's, it's known as the crew timed out. You know, that, okay, now we have to get with crew scheduling. They have to go out and find a whole new pilot, a whole new crew. And if they can't do that, again, we're, we're talking cancellation of flight. Wow. So in that instance, yeah. if, if the crew times out, you have the yep. part, it's been fixed. But if the crew yep. times out, you still can't leave. Can't leave. We can't leave unless they find another crew. <laughs> Interesting. And of course, there's backup crews everywhere, right? Yeah, of course. Man. It's just a dime a dozen. <laughs> exactly. When that, something that just popped in my mind, whenever that part comes, right, we've been using the rivet as an example. Do you um, yeah. test it before you uh, put it into the, into the plane or like it, it just... Um, no, no, it, it's not a testing. It's called, um, we have a department called the Receive and Inspection. So inspections, they have a series of uh, checklists that they have to go through. And now it's a uh, paperwork to be saying that, okay, this is from an approved vendor, the manufacturer, and they have a requirement. Once they see that that part meets that requirement, it's good to go. They get their sample of approval, and they'll hand it off to the mechanics, and the mechanics will go ahead and install the, the part on the aircraft. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it seems in this day and age, having uh, discussions, uh, you have to bring in COVID and the, the realities yeah. that we are with, with, with the pandemic. How has, and this is a really broad question, so I'll try to narrow it down, mm -hmm. but you know, how has the pandemic we're living in changed the way you manage and, and uh, go about um, aircraft on ground and sourcing, uh, sourcing parts? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's different now. Um, Pre-COVID, you know, we had a list, a, a pretty large list of vendors uh, to select from. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of those, some of those vendors are no longer um, able to provide services for us. Uh, they'd be really gone into bankrupt, you know, financial hardship, or you know, they're just not there. So now the list is down to three. It's always good to have options, and I would say right now we're probably using, you know, three or four vendors, whereas we had a multitude of vendors. So that is that is challenging. You say, okay, we, well. If a person says they don't have a part or if a company says if they don't have the part, we could just simply, in the past, we could just simply, okay, check with other vendors. And as a you know, standard practice, I would always have my team, you know, at least receive three, three or four different quotes just for comparison. But now that's not the case. Now we're like, okay, whoever has it, let's just go with them, you know, and, uh, and get the part moving to the aircraft. Right. Have you seen that $7 rivet all of a sudden become a $35 rivet? Because yeah, that's, that's happening as well. AOG fees are, are, are <laughs> have multiplied. Uh, you're right. Uh, the price has gone up on a lot of these parts. And, you know, um, again, when you look at it from the cancellation loss, you know, okay, are we going to pay for that $30 rivet? 
or are we going to lose the $300,000 loss of revenue? So of course we're going to pay for it and they know we're going to pay for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's an easy, easy answer for sure. Right. Right. Um, obviously there's not as many flights in the air and, and you've seen pictures um, uh, in the news about planes just parked, right? Waiting because they're not, they're not being utilized. Uh, mm -hmm. Are you in a position now with with this where you'll go and pull parts off of other planes that happen to be in the in the same market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do that. We do that quite often. Um, okay. Um, cannibalize. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we rob from a plane that we already have, uh, which we know that's going to be sitting for a while. And so, yeah, Roswell, <laughs> it's a pretty popular spot right now as far as sourcing. I think with all the airlines, man, because a lot of many of the airlines and majors park their aircraft there. In a Roswell location, yeah, that's one of our. That is one of our areas that we look at. Yeah, interesting. So that mm -hmm. means that you and I need to start a little side hustle. Uh, with there you the, go. There you go. Not a <laughs> you're right. Yeah, because ultimately we're still going to need the part. You know, even though you're robbing it, you're still going to need that part. You know, yeah. When you yeah. go back to return to revenue service. Huh. So let's talk about some technology advancements, right? And I'm specifically mm -hmm. talking. Um, Kind of about you know everything in the evolution of of a pen of rivet continues to mm -hmm. advance. Uh, right. Have you seen that that parts last longer or they're easier to swap out just to the natural evolution of how uh, things develop and improve? Um, not really. You know, to our amazement, we you know, we we have a new fleet. We're purchasing new aircraft, and it sort of amazes me how that you know. You know, here we are. This is a hundred million dollar, hundred million dollar piece of equipment, a hundred million dollar vehicle, and you know, within thirty days, we find that parts start breaking, or parts start needing to be replaced. And so, I can't really say that the technology has made. Uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's job justification. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad the parts break. You know, because I get to go out and buy them. You know, if they come up with the perfect vehicle, I'm like, well. There's no need for AOG because there will never be an aircraft on ground. But, but no, from my viewpoint, I still see that, you know, there's still a lot of parts that come out. And there's so many parts on the aircraft, as you know, you know something is bound to break yeah. or there's a defect that's going to take place and, and it's going to require, you know, backfilling. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah so you, you just brought it up. I don't know if this is a loaded question or not. So if I apologize, I put you on the spot, but how many parts are on an airplane? I, just, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I, I actually Googled it once, but I, I didn't have an answer. Google yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> well, you, you, you could have made something up, and I'd be like, okay, that's yeah, you would believe it. It's just sound convincing. That sounds all right. So, <laughs> you know, one thing that we've spoken about on the uh, uptime logistics before is kind of 3D mm. printing and the ability to, to literally make parts. Uh, on the spot in the moment. What, yeah. Have you even, have you heard about 3D printing and how that- I've heard about it, but you know what? I've never, I haven't heard about it through any of our vendors or our suppliers. Gotcha. And so I'm sort of unaware of, of, of that technology. But from what I understand it, I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So it's yeah. a, it, it sounds good on, in a PowerPoint presentation when you're trying to pitch right. something, but I think what you're saying right. is the reality uh, to have that level of printing and making a part in the moment yeah. um, is not quite there, uh, at least in, yeah. in, in your industry right now. So yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, we're talking with Michael Chipman, and he's our mission critical logistics specialist, and we really appreciate, uh, appreciate his involvement. So um, what do you think about any advice that you would give to folks that want to get into aviation and specifically with 
with AOG. You know, there's people out there that just thrive in controlled chaos right. and, and Hey, I want to yeah. be the guy that, or the gal right. that you know, helps um, fix the problem and, and succeed. So what advice would you have for, for folks that may be interested in mission critical logistics for a career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. You have to be that type of person who can juggle multiple priorities and that thrives on, like you said, you know, chaos. And because every day is different. We never know exactly what part is going to break. We never know where that part's going to be required. And so when you come into work and you have, oh man, like I indicated before, you know, you have these passengers that are grounded. They're like wondering, and you're like, why? What's going on? What's going on? There was an instance where there was a cheerleading team um, and they were trying to, they competed all year long and they were trying to get to Florida. They had made it to the nationals. They were going to Florida. And um, they were so excited, man. I think in middle grade, maybe ninth, eighth, eighth grade or something like that. The flight gets canceled. And they are just devastated. They're devastated. Uh, and so what do you do? Now, in that case, we, we were lucky. Our president of the company, you know, he, he actually chartered an aircraft for them. Obviously, we can't do that for everyone. <laughs> we can't. So that's, that's a happy story. But we can't do that for everyone. So um, when we, uh, you definitely have to be able to handle stress because uh, it's going to happen and you have to have a tough skin that's when i do my interviews and i bring people on board i say look here this is what's going to happen guys uh this is what's to be expected you know you can't in the question that i ask is you know what do you do how do you handle stress if they give me the answer you know what i like just get up and walk out and you know walk around for 20 minutes i'm like okay well no <laughs> you're not the person for the job because you know you have to stay in the fire and sometimes you feel like you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth but it's also rewarding. It's rewarding to know that, you know, you've helped people who have planned for years, perhaps, uh, to, you know, take their children on vacation. Um, uh, and like you said, the weddings, uh, for them to actually finish that and complete their destination. And, and that's really, that's really rewarding. It's beneficial. Yeah. 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 Putting, putting yourself in the proverbial seat, if you will. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Of walking in there and understanding everybody yeah. has, uh, um, not a purpose, but you know, everybody's sense of, uh, of imp being important. This is important to right. me. It's exactly. not, for us, it's not for us to judge. It, it's the simple fact of being in their shoes and understanding how important it is to find yeah. uh, a $7 rivet. Right. So, right. Um, they yeah. can, they can. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I will never complain again. You know, if my flight gets canceled, because now we know <laughs> it's for the safety. It is for the safety of, of, of the passengers ultimately. That's great. Yeah. Well, Chip, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and, and having a little conversation yeah. about us. You know, Mission Critical Logistics covers, like you said, military and civilian. And it's been great to right. learn a little bit about not only the process, but, you know, the, the, uh, the physical movement, but the thought process and, and having the right mindset to manage that, uh, that line of business. So thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you, Doug. All right. And I'd like to thank our uh, audience, obviously, for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. It's powered by Cap Logistics. You can find more uh, information about the show in the description below. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. And uh, please visit Cap Logistics for all of your transportation and logistics needs. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great day.